there Boom. it is, ladies and gents. We are ready to rock and roll. We are back. I nearly spent a week in Hawaii, so I didn't have a show last couple days, but we're ready to rock and roll. We're going to be talking about an agency. You have one? Is it profitable? Are you running efficiently? Well, now we're going to talk to somebody who can share with you ways that you can track that stuff and make sure that you're doing it right. So here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Am, it's time for you to do this thing. Drop some heat. I know, you know, and I barely did this in like the last eight minutes. So here we go. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, drop a review, help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well go to www.businessbros.biz schedule your time and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at business bros pod all right everybody we're so excited and honored to bring another incredible guest to the business bros pod our guest today is helping digital agencies increase profitability by generating accurate data-driven estimates in an innovative and industry disrupting way by streamlining the critical process of accurately assessing each client's information, our guest is able to help agencies maintain healthy profit margins and avoid the late night and weekend work. Our guest helps agencies achieve an EBITDA of over 20% annually, which is something that only the top exclusive elite are able to do. And they do so while still getting you home in time for dinner. Tune in today to learn what our guest can do for your agency and how you can grow most efficiently today. Joining us today from Parakito out of New Brunswick, Canada, welcome to the show, Marcel Petitpa. Boom, there it is. Hey, not bad for the last little couple minutes here. Good job. I know, man. dude. I totally flubbed it. You know, Marcel, I'm sorry. Uh, Hernan told me that we were going to do a one o'clock, and here I am, like, connected on a million other things. And then all of a sudden, oh, shit, it's showtime. <laughs> uh, you more than compensated for it with the energy. Uh, it's very contagious. And I'm impressed with what you're able to pull together at the last minute. So thanks, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. All right, let's right do this. On, right we on. got to we got to have a little bit of a conversation before the show started, uh, and let's let's start off with the beginning. How long have you been in this agency space, uh, and and what have you learned from it so far? Yeah, that's a great question. So my first one of my first businesses was an agency. We were selling real estate serve like VR services to real estate agents, and I got in touch with this problem that we solve today, which is it's actually pretty hard to answer simple questions like, are we making money on our clients? Can we take on a new client? If so, when? Um, who should we hire and when? How much should we pay for that person? How are our margins? Like, is this a scalable service offering? I started dealing with all those challenges. And then fast forward a few years, I got interested in software. I left that agency because these numbers weren't working out and we couldn't scale it. And I saw Matterport and the ability to do virtual tours on your phone coming down uh, the pipe. So I thought, yeah, there's probably not a whole lot of a future here in this agency. 
And about four years ago, I became really, really interested in solving this problem when a good friend of mine who runs an agency reached out and said, dude, I'm so tired of building spreadsheets to answer these questions. There has to be a better way to do this. And that's when we started um, really ideating around how can we better serve small and medium sized agencies and help them answer the questions they're asking themselves every day without spending a ton of time in spreadsheets or having to cram all of their business systems into a behemoth crappy all in one agency management platform that really doesn't do a good job of any of the things that it's supposed to be good at. And that's where we that's how we got to where we are today. And we spent all of our time thinking about how to solve these problems for agencies over the last uh, four years. All right. <clears throat> when you talk about easy questions or, you know, answers to even easy questions. How easy is the question that we're talking about here? Like what kinds of questions are we, are we asking that agencies for whatever reason don't know the answer to? Right. Well, interesting language here. So easy is it's actually, these questions are not very easy to answer, but they're simple. Simple questions would be things like, did we make money on this client or project? Seems like a simple enough question, but of course, when we want to answer that question, we have to look at a lot of different pieces of data. How much did the client pay us for the project? What was invoice? How much of that didn't actually belong to us? What was our pass-through cost that went to other vendors, things like ad spend, print budgets, tooling, things of that nature? And then what did it actually cost us to earn that revenue? So then we have to get into labor costs. If we're using freelancers, how did those freelancers bill us? Did they bill us a flat rate? Did they bill us an hourly rate? If they billed us an hourly rate, how many hours did they work? If we're working with internal team members, and it gets even more complicated. How much time did the internal team member spend on this? What's their salary and benefits? What's their cost per hour, right? We have to get into calculating all of these things just to get to the answer to that one simple question. Did we make money on this project? And if so, how much? Um, so that's the example of like one of the questions you might be asking yourself on a daily basis that requires a spreadsheet for most of the people that are listening to the show in order to answer and it requires data coming together from a bunch of different places, a bunch of different tools you might be using your invoicing software, maybe your project management tool, maybe your time tracking tool, right? There's all kinds of things you got to wrangle together. And unfortunately, what that means is most people are not checking in on these kinds of really important numbers often enough because the amount of work that it takes to just answer that simple question is so high. So they're compiling data. They're just at this point in their business where they have so much data, they don't really know how to make sense of it or how to kind of put it all together. So they kind of just you know, throw it out the window. They're like, Hey, you know what? At the end of the month, there's money in the bank account. We're good. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, we see that a lot. There's basically three problems. The first is that maybe you're not tracking any of this stuff. You're not paying attention to any of it. And of course the problem that you'll inevitably run into at some point is that, um, you'll figure out, Hey, we're spending too much money to earn our revenue. We're not maybe pricing it high enough. We're not being efficient enough in the delivery. You'll start running the cash flow issues. The second problem might be that you are tracking this stuff, but it's not intentionally structured. So a perfect example of this we see all the time is when you estimate, a, let's say you're building websites, you estimate a website project for the client. And in that estimate, you're saying, okay, I think it's going to take about this many design hours, this many development hours, this many project management hours. And then your team is tracking time over in the time tracking tool, but they're tracking time against tasks you know, two hours for um, V1, UX, wireframes, 2.0, whatever it is. And now when you hold up the timesheet against your estimate, they don't look the same. So if you want to answer the simple question of like, did we estimate project management hours accurately? You have to clean all that data up just to answer that question. So mm -hmm. sometimes it, it's not that they're not tracking the data. It's just that the data is not actually intentionally structured such that it creates feedback loops that are useful and actually allows us to get insights that are useful. And then the third problem is often that 
agency owners that we talk to aren't actually even really sure what numbers they should be looking at or how they should be calculating those numbers. There's a lot of terms that we'll hear in the industry, like utilization rate. But when you really ask the question, well, how should you calculate utilization rate? Should it be based on gross capacity, adjusted gross capacity? Is it just um, billable hours that are billed to the client? What is a billable hour? Like when you start digging into a, what a metrics that seems simple, there's actually a lot more nuance behind it. And so that's where we can offer a lot of help in not only explaining how to properly calculate these metrics, but then also helping agencies establish a system that allows them to easily get those metrics on a regular basis so that they know what's happening in the business and they can make better decisions, be more profitable, be more scalable, etc. So you're I... telling me there's a chance. There is a <laughs> chance. There's always a chance. So what we're talking a little bit here about, about tracking things. What if we just kind of solved the problem? What if we just said, look, I have a fixed overhead. I know exactly what my payroll is going to be every month, or maybe I'm using a freelancer. This is the exact fixed cost. All I got to do is sell more, you know, above that fixed cost. And I'm, I'm set, right? That's, that's the simple answer to the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny thing, right? Um, because we, we hear that sometimes. Um, and often we talk to an agency owner that they'll come in and they'll say, you know, my problem isn't that I'm not not profitable enough. It's that I don't have enough clients. Like I just need to sell more work. And so what they're experiencing is start is they think they're experiencing starvation, but what they're actually experiencing is indigestion. They just happen to feel the same. So they go, okay, um, I need to make 20 K this month so that I can cover salaries and rent and pay my accountant and all that good stuff. So they go out and they sell 20 K worth of work. And then the next month rolls around and they're like, okay, shit, we got to sell another 20 K worth of work. But the 20 K they sold last month isn't done yet. So that takes up half of the next month, they sell another 20K and then the following month, they haven't even started on that month's work. And what that is, is a signal of inefficiency in earning the revenue. They assume, okay, that 20K worth of work can be earned by that one person that I'm paying. They have access to 160 hours a month and they should be able to earn 20K worth of revenue in that amount of time. But that assumption is clearly not correct because the work is not getting done in that amount of time. It's taking more hours. And the reality is that if you pay somebody a salary, the way you should be thinking about the cost of a project should be exactly the same as if you were paying them by the hour. And you really actually should be doing the math to find out what do they cost you per hour based on the salary they pay you. Because at the end of the day, the fundamental business model in any agency, no matter how their pricing work, is selling time for money. The different pricing models are just different abstractions that are applied to that fundamental concept, which is, is the business model. There's just no way around it. Now, you, uh, you mentioned how when you have a culture like that, where you have something where you're, you're expecting somebody to be able to produce something in the 160 hours that you pay for their salary, um, you start to get some overflow, that tends to affect the culture of the company that you're working in, right? All of a sudden, the person's like, dude, I am overworked. I need help. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not capable of completing task A, task B, whatever it is. Uh, how does that? pan out for the business itself. I mean, you've been in different organizations where yeah. all of a sudden there is no scalability. Like you think you can grow, you think you can sell more, but you can't because the people who are actually doing the work, like you described, are still working on last month's stuff. Yeah. And th this is a plague that um, haunts the agency industry. And unfortunately, the industry is famous for it. Um, late nights, weekends, people working 70, 80, 100 hours a week, kind of getting paid like shit compared to what they could make if they went and worked for a brand. Um, and what that ends up being is a, basically a machine that just chews up and spits out talent, you end up with a lot of retention problems, you burn your team out. Usually your client experience starts to slip because you have to push back deadlines or everything's so crazy that you're not communicating with them properly, you're not giving them updates, like your client can feel how hectic it is 
is internally. And the reality is like nobody on your team, including yourself wants to work evenings and weekends. And when you're in a position where you're not doing a good job of estimating projects, hitting those timelines, resource planning, planning properly, planning for your projects to be profitable, then the only way to really compensate for that is to subsidize it with evenings and weekends. And if you as the owner aren't doing it, your team has to do it. And I don't really think that's fair. Um, and I know for a fact that it's not necessary. This is the other thing that I hear sometimes from agency owners that are jaded from having worked in the industry for too long, where they go, oh, well, this is just the way it is. You, if you work in an agency, you just have to work 70 hours a week. That's the, the how this business model works. And the truth is, it's not. Um, we benchmark and model hundreds of agencies in the consulting that we do. And you should be able to have everybody work 40 hours or less per week and still be highly profitable, 25, 30, 35, even 40% EBITDA. Um, on your revenue if you are actually doing a good job of operating. And I think this fallacy that the team needs to work 70 hours a week to compensate for some flaw in the business model is false. The only reason they need to work 70 hours a week is to compensate for a lack of competency as a, an executive team running that business. So what are some things that we can do? I mean, if we find ourselves trapped, we're looking in the mirror right now and we're like, oh shit, what Marcel's talking about, that's me. Like I'm, I'm working 70 hours a week. My team's overworked. I feel like I'm getting all kinds of business and I just don't see it in my bank account. What can we do to help yeah. get those inefficiencies in, in check? Well, our POV on this is that there's basically four steps that you have to take and there's two feedback loops that you have to create. So the first feedback loop is estimates versus actuals. It's really a simple question of starting with estimation and asking yourself, how do we make assumptions about client work? Like when a client says, hey, I want to hire you to do this thing and you give them a price. How do you come up with that price? What are the assumptions that are behind that? And are they setting you up for success fundamentally? So there's two things with estimation that are really key. The first is the structure of the estimate. And I don't mean the formatting, the font that you use, et cetera. I mean, like, what is the data schema of your estimate? What are the objects in that estimate? So there's a client within that client, there might be a contract within that contract, there might be a project, maybe there's phases in that project. And then within those phases, you're going to be grouping time into buckets. Most people are going to think of that in terms of functional roles. So how much design time, project management time, etc. Usually those buckets should align to your resource planning. So the first thing is being really intentional about how do we design an estimate? Let's make that a consistent structure. The reason we want to make that consistent is because it should inform how your time tracking and project management and finance tools are set up. Those things should be aligned to each other. So if that structure changes all the time, it has downstream impacts. The second thing is standardizing the process by which we come up with assumptions. So if your process for figuring out how many hours it's going to take is changing all the time, then that's another moving target that makes it hard to actually make improvements and iterate and measure the impact. So standardize the structure and the process of your estimates. That's the first thing. Then you want to go and evaluate your time tracking tool, your finance tools, the places where you're figuring out what actually happened, right? How much did we actually get paid? How much time did we actually spend? And make sure that those are structured in such a way that when you get a timesheet out of your time tracking report, you hold that up next to the estimate, they actually look kind of similar. What we see all the time is your estimate says one thing, you know, PM hours, design hours, et cetera. Then your time tracking tool is like 800 different tasks that don't map cleanly back to anything on the estimate. So now if you want to answer the simple question of like, how much PM time did we spend on this project? It's really hard to answer that question because the data is a real mess. So if you can align those two things, standardize your estimates, and then intentionally set up all of your tools to measure the actuals, then you should be able to start very quickly and very easily answering the question, did what we think was going to happen actually happen? 
And that is the first feedback loop. So once you've set that up, then you want to create a feedback loop with your team. So now you can start to pay attention to, okay, these projects went good, but these projects didn't go the way that we planned. Either they went way better than we thought, we spent half the time we thought we were going to spend, or they went way worse. We spent way more time than we thought. And then you want to go talk to your team about why that is. Hey, here's some projects that we absolutely killed it on. What did we do differently here? Is there anything we can learn from this project and apply to new ones? And here's some projects that didn't go the way we thought. What did we miss here? Did we estimate it improperly? Was there something we forgot to ask the client in the onboarding process? Is there something about the way we handed things off internally that was clunky? What can we learn from this? What can we do to make it better next time? And getting your team involved in that conversation will surface the operations and process opportunities, the improvements, the way you estimate the need to surface. And it will also create buy-in so that the team is actually involved in coming up with the ideas, implementing the ideas and following those processes going forward. And over time, what that should do is start to close the gap between what you think is going to happen when you scope a project and give a price to a client and what actually happens in reality. And when that gap starts to close, then you can actually start planning ahead and planning to leave the office at five o'clock on a Friday and actually getting home at five o'clock on a Friday, planning to make a profit on a project and then actually making a profit on a project, um, which are all very good things, of course. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> exactly. We, we make our own roads. Speaking of making your own roads, roads uh, the feedback loops, the estimate versus the actual. Um, and early on, you said, you know, you don't want to spend your time creating spreadsheets for all of these different things. Um, and, and we also kind of mentioned how there's only few types of agencies that actually are profitable at a point where they, they can become scalable. Uh, what are some of the, the tools that you're, that you're using maybe to put these things together so that when we look at our estimate versus our actual, they're comparable? Yeah. So, I mean, there are actually a lot of tools out on the market that will do bits and pieces of this. Um, Harvest as a time tracking tool, you know, has a really simple way to lay this out at a basic level. We're building some proprietary technology at Parakeeto um, that we use for the clients that hire us to help them design these things. Um, but it, it can just start as a spreadsheet. Like you don't actually have to go out and spend a bunch of money. There's free time tracking tools. A spreadsheet is a free thing that you can use to build estimates and a spreadsheet is a free thing you can use to build reports around this. And if you structure your data in an intentional way, it doesn't actually have to take you a lot of time. It might take you 15 minutes a week to build this report. If all your data is clean, you don't have to do a bunch of tidying to it every time you go in to answer that question. So we give away a bunch of free spreadsheet templates on our website. You can grab those at parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. If you want to just start and there's, they also come with instructional videos on how to use them and all that kind of fun stuff. So like, I want to make sure that if you listen to this podcast, you don't think that you have to go buy a bunch of tools or start spending a bunch of SaaS um, licenses to create these feedback loops. You can do it for free. It's just a little bit more work. Um, but to kind of come back to your question, I think the most important thing, uh, the most important tool that you need to use is a time tracking tool. Um, now, the misconception about time tracking is that the only way to do it is timesheets. And there's a lot of people in the industry that reject timesheets because of how they've been used historically, or maybe they just have trouble getting their team to follow that process. The other way that you can track time is to use a resource plan. So if you're in a position where you assign individuals to one or two projects for long periods of time, a resource plan can be formatted the same way as a timesheet, give you the same information, and you can centralize the process of tracking time with a project manager that oversees that team. So basically, the most important thing, the most important tool you need to invest in is some way to keep track of 
how much time do we actually spend on this project? And just make sure that that's structured in a way that matches up to your estimate. And that could be done in a spreadsheet. It could be done for free. It really doesn't matter how you do it as long as you're doing it. That's the most important thing. Well, let's talk about that estimate because I've heard from different types of people. Some people are going to go out and build an estimate that builds hourly. This is exactly how you described it. This is going to take so many hours to do this, so many hours to do this. This is the entire scope of my project that's broken down. Uh, and other people are like, screw that. The customer does not want to read through a scoped project. They want to yep. know you're going to get from point A to point B. This is the flat rate that I charge. And you know this is what it in- encompasses. Um mm-hmm. To make it to make the standardized process to make it streamlined so that it works for not only the agency but so that it's clear for the client. Which one? Which yeah. way do you recommend to create estimates? Yeah. So this is a really great question. There are two concepts here that I want to make sure are separated. The misconception and the thing that I see all the time is the internal estimate is conflated with being the same thing that has to be presented to the client. But the reality is it doesn't matter what you say to the client. You could say to the client, this is going to cost you $100,000. It's a flat rate. It won't change, but this is what it's going to cost you to solve this problem. Um, So that's generally a flat rate, or you might be doing value-based pricing. But on the back end, you still have to understand how much it's going to cost you to do the thing that you're telling the client is going to cost them $100,000. Because if it costs you 200 grand, that's not a good deal. It doesn't matter how much they're paying you. If they're paying you less than... Um, in this case, whatever a 70% margin is on 200 grand, then it's probably not a good deal for you. So estimation is an internal process. That's the misconception a lot of people uh, think about. Like scoping a project, that's something you do for you. It's not something you do for your client. Pricing is what you ask the client for. Scoping is what it's going to cost you. So you want to separate those concepts internally. You can price on flat rates. You can price uh, based on a rate card. You can do time and materials. You can do abstracted time and materials, which is more of like a, you know, we charge X per sprint and a sprint gets you this cross-functional team. And we think it's going to take you this many sprints to get a thing done. I have a great video, um, a great podcast episode on how to determine what the right pricing strategy is for you based on where the risk is and where the value is in your service offering. Because that changes depending on what kind of service you do and who you do it for. But at the end of the day, The price you ask for the client is, in many ways, it's detached from the scope, but you should still understand what it's going to cost you, and you should still be good at figuring that out, because if you don't know what it's going to cost you, and if you don't know how much effort it's going to take, then you can't plan resources, you can't plan hiring, you can't plan profitability, you can't plan anything internally looking forward, because all of those things in your operational system, they depend on the assumptions you make about client work and they depend on those being accurate in order to actually be helpful. So um, yeah, that's the big idea there. Now, in terms of benchmarks, how profitable should a project be? You should be aiming for a 50 to 70% gross margin on a project. So if a client's paying you hundred grand, it should cost you no more than $30,000 to deliver that project to the client. Um, now, let's talk about how we actually figure out our cost basis. We're not doing a bunch of bullshit like trying to put overhead into your cost per hour for your employees. Your cost per hour is going to be, if it's a freelancer, whatever you're paying them by the hour. If you're paying them flat rate, awesome. It's whatever you paid them for that flat rate. That's going to be a cost. If you have a salaried employee, the way you figure out their cost per hour is you take their total salary plus their benefits and you divide that by the total amount of time that you're purchasing from them in the employment agreement. For most employees, that's 2,080 hours per year which is 52 weeks multiplied by 40 hours. 
Now, a lot of people are going to be asking, well, what about vacation? What about holidays? What about time off? We don't include that in this number, but we will factor it in to our gross margin target. The reason we want a 70% gross margin on a project is because we know we're going to lose 15% per year on utilization gaps, holidays, vacation, time off, which means we're going to land at 55%. Then we're going to spend another 25 to 30% of our revenue on overhead, admin fees, sales and marketing, legal fees, all that other stuff. And then we should be able to net out at a really great profit margin, 20, 30, 35%. So that's why we want to bake so much margin into our, um, into our project fee. And the reason we don't want to include time off and holidays and vacation and overhead into our calculation of gross margin and profitability on a project level is because if we do that, then we can never really compare one project to another because mm. not every person is going to have the same amount of time off. If they're in a different state, they might have different holidays. Our overhead's going to change. We're going to hire a bookkeeper. We're going to change accounting firms. We're going to rent a bigger office. So if we bake those things into our fundamental metric for how we measure the efficiency of earning revenue on projects, then we can't compare them horizontally. So what we want to do is normalize that metric by focusing purely on what is the gross margin of that project. And that's the kind of target that we should be setting um, for project profitability. So that's really nerdy detail. If, if you didn't have time to take notes inside the profitability toolkit that I mentioned earlier, we have a cheat sheet. It breaks down all the calculations and benchmarks for this stuff. So you can go check that out for free. Really nerdy, but it really makes sense. I mean, <clears throat> you're comparing apples to apples now. It doesn't matter whether the project started in December or whether the project started in July, right? Like you're, you know, that the whole purpose of this, like you said, it was, it was, you know, get your design estimate and then standardize your process. That's part of standardizing your process is understanding that I know what this job is going to cost me. And now when you're shooting for, can I bring in more work? You're looking at this job as how many hours are going to this particular person? How many are available? How much time is available? So you can actually get more work and, you know, actually get it done, which is a whole different ballgame, but, and, and see those metrics across the board at any given time, you can compare one job to another. That is, that's gold in, in our agencies. That's, that's exactly what we want to do. If we're, if we're just getting started in, in building our agency, um, from an overhead point of view, should we be going employee or should we start off with just hiring people like, you know, per gig? Yeah, I think that that's a really good question. Um, so much of this comes down to the risk profile. So if we haven't figured out how to consistently get projects and we're still kind of riding the feast or famine roller coaster, and I see this a lot when the founder of the agency is still heavily involved in delivery, because what tends to happen is they go out, they sell, 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 and it works. They get a bunch of work and then they're like, oh, should I have to do all this work? So they're busy doing work and then they forget to keep selling. So their utilization like goes up and then it goes mm -hmm. down. Um, so if you're still riding that roller coaster, then keep a lot of your workforce elastic. So hire freelancers. Yes, you will probably pay a higher hourly rate than if you were to hire that person in-house, but at least you don't have to pay for the utilization ebb and flow. You don't have to pay them when there's no work to do. You only pay them when there is work to do. And basically the way that you figure out how, like when it's the right time to hire that person and, or bring that person in house is once you're consistently able to get them to what would be equivalent to a 50 or 60% utilization rate. If you can get somebody to a 50 or 60% utilization rate based on a 40 hour work week. So IE, if you're consuming you know, 25 to 30 hours of design time per week, 
then you can afford to hire a full-time designer, no question. And it's probably going to drop your cost per hour. It'll increase your margin. Um, but if your early days and your sales process, your new business development process is not that consistent, then pay a premium for the freelance resources because they're more flexible. Um, and do that until you've consistently generate enough work that you can justify taking the risk and hiring that person on as a salaried employee. All right. Last little question. Uh, VA or in-house in-person? I mean, I don't really have a strong opinion on this. Uh, I'm a remote first person. We built our whole business remotely. Um, even the people that live in the same city as me, we like we barely ever meet up. We usually do our meetings over Zoom. So I'm biased to that. Um, but I don't think that there's really a big operational consideration on around that other than when you have a culture and a system for operations that works in a remote setting, then you are more readily able to arbitrage other um, arbitrage other places in the world. So if you can find talented designers in the Ukraine or in South Africa or in South America, then you can dramatically increase your margins. And typically the way that you do that is by documenting your processes, making your processes much more clear and much more precise. And as your processes become more standardized, the level of judgment and seniority that's required to get that work done starts to drop. And that gives starts to push you into this place where you can say, okay, we're gonna, instead of paying $150 an hour for a designer, we can now go pay 16 because um, we've got a really, really great process for how to do 80% of the work. And now the $150 senior designer only has to do 20% of the work. So there's way more leverage. Um, so my bias is towards virtual only because it sets you up for the ability to do that kind of thing. And of course, I'm biased to the lifestyle as well. I can be anywhere in the world and still run my business. And I think that's pretty cool. Fair, dude. I love that. I love that. I think that's one of those highlights that COVID brought into the world that many of us just don't want to give up. I mean, I'm in a classroom right now and I can tell you, I much rather be at home. <laughs> I could, I could be wearing PJs right now for all, you know, if I was at home. All right. <clears throat> Last little thing. Um, you know, uh, 802 episodes, you've been on a ton of podcasts. What was your experience like on the business bros? The energy is uncomparable to anything that I've ever experienced. Um, I've never had such an energetic intro. Um, so it's just contagious. I had a great time and I'm glad that I came on. Awesome, my brother. Well, uh, last thing before we head out, if people want to get a hold of you, they want to get some of those tools you talked about. They want to ask you yeah. more questions about how to build their companies. How can they do that? Yeah. So hit me up on LinkedIn um, or Instagram. It's uh, get parakeeto on Instagram. I'm Marcel Petipa on LinkedIn. I wear the same shirt with the parakeets on it and all my profile pictures. So I'm really easy to spot. If you want to consume more very nerdy, very tactical content on how to run a profitable agency, check out the Agency Profit Podcast, where all we talk about is this. And if you want to get access to those free tools, head to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. You'll get access to all our best thinking, all our best resources and instructional videos on exactly how to use them. And it should be everything you need to improve your profitability. Absolutely free without spending a dollar. Dude, 
ladies and gents, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, it sounds nerdy as all hell, right? But this is where the bottom line happens. This is where you're able to take yourself out of the day-to-day operations. You have to know this sort of stuff. Yeah, you got good at creating websites. You got great at creating digital artwork. You got good at all those different things. But as long as you're the one doing all that work, you're the one responsible, you're going to be stuck in that business forever. And I know you want to make your way out. So get a little nerdy, learn a little bit about your business analytics, the data and what it's actually telling you from experts like Marcel here. And then look at the opportunities that are presented in front of you. I don't know about you guys, but I spent a week in Hawaii. I love time and having efficient, (laughs) efficient processes like this are going to give you the time that you're looking for. Marcel, thank you very much for spending some time with us on the show today. Ladies and gents, make sure you guys check it out. Parakeeto.com and and go check out the, uh, I think you said backslash tools, right? Forward slash tool, toolkit. Forward slash toolkit. Forward slash toolkit. Go get some of those free things. Dude, all that stuff is going to help your business out. So go ahead and check it out and uh, let me know what you guys think. We'll see you guys again. Manana, peace out, y'all. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.